And welcome to another edition of The Natural House Call and The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. This is Dr. Z. I'm so happy to be with you today and to have our illustrious guest, Dr. Dana Cohen, again back. She was our guest when she came out with her book, Quench. But remember, you can always get more information about what myself and The Natural Nurse are doing on our websites. That's Dr. Z Naturally, DRZ Naturally and naturalnurse.com for our walks and talks and fun shops like our great trip to Jamaica, which is coming up, which is uh, became a full course for Bastyr University. So we're taking at least 20, maybe 25 naturopathic medical students into the jungles of uh, the Caribbean to study Caribbean ethnobotany. So that's one of our many cool trips that's... Um, uh, out there, and so we're really happy to uh, continue our, uh, you know, ethnobotany things because you know we do trips to Chinatown and all kinds of fun things when the weather cooperates. Of course, Dr. Kamai is in Florida, so yeah, she rubs it in all the time. Anyway, <laughs> so we have Dr. Dana Cohen, and she's an integrative functional MD as our guest today, author of Quench and. She's a nationally renowned internal and integrative medicine specialist. We'll talk about her training later on, whose multidisciplinary approaches help transform the lives of many women using a variety of conventional and complementary therapies. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's an often overlooked health issue. And um, we want to talk about, as women age, these health issues can be overlooked because they often go undiscussed. So we're going to break the silence today and talk about some of these things like misconceptions in menopause and uh, intimacy issues, viruses and cancer risks, um, and screening remains essential. The difference between maybe true preventive medicine and early detection is something that I like to always mention um, and sort of like my thing, my beef in medicine. And other topics. So, how are you, Dr. Cohen? I'm great. Thank you. I want to go on that uh, Chinatown <laughs> outing with you. <laughs> yeah, we're going in, we usually go in May and then in October. Oh, I so would love to, if, to if walk along. That, if you're in the area, it's certainly it's fun to learn about Chinese medicine. We take a real cool trip through Chinatown and visit a lot of the apothecaries that really only a practitioner will be invited to. So it's it's not just kind of going to all the fake vendors on Canal Street. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, love we do it. Kind of fun things, yeah. And uh, then our herb walks and things like that are always well, well attended. So Sounds fantastic. So tell us a little bit about, reintroduce yourself. It's been a couple of years since you yeah. were on our show with Quest, uh, Quench, which was a really interesting book about functional water and uh, this kind of new way that water realigns that you get from drinking vegetable juice and and all kinds of things like that which is actually a great topic now that it's almost uh, new year's everyone's going to do their new year's resolution and maybe they'll get back to juicing or just drinking more water or doing something some health practice that over doesn't seem to be significant but when done over a long period of time makes a big impact so yeah tell us I a little bit about your background so I'm a, a medical doctor, internist, um, 
And I actually, right out of residency, started with Dr. Atkins, and this was in 1998, so 25 mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and uh and he changed my life and I practice been practicing integrative medicine since. Um, and you know, I I I I like to just say it's um it's good old-fashioned medicine, going back to basics, going back to nutrition, lifestyle, listening to patients, spending time with patients. Um, and uh and that's what I've been doing for in private practice here in New York City for the last 25 years. Um, and yeah, that book quench, um I always say, great, you know, for, before you start any diet or nutrition or supplement program, you have to start with hydration. It really is the the one thing that I am such a stickler on in my practice. Meaning, I'm not a stickler on diet. Give me, you know, eighty percent, and I'm really happy of what I ask you to do for diet. But hydration, you need to be on top of day in and day out. And since that book has been published, there's been um, quite a few new new studies that have come out that's showing you know, de this low grade dehydration is, um, is a major cause of, of chronic disease, you know, uh, so it's an ancient, it's an ancient naturopathic concept that, you know, they always said, you know, many things like these, there's these great aphorisms in medicine, like build the blood and move it was one that loosed, uh, Benedict loose, who founder of naturopathic medicine, he actually brought it from Germany to New York which is where it actually, it's, it's a shame that naturopathic doctors like myself aren't licensed in New York because originally that's where it was founded. But he would always say that like, there's only one disease, that's the disease of the cell. And and it's kind of like garbage in, garbage out. I know it's simplistic, but you know, it's it's an interesting concept with that you need water to allow things to move in and out of the cell in your body. Yeah, you don't. When you think of detoxification, who thinks of hydration? You can't detoxify if you know the only way we get rid of, of toxins is peeing, pooping, and sweating, right? And breathing, um, and all of those right. require hydration. So it's always the first step. Um, and often, I have a five day quench plan in that book. It's five days. I, I I did that purposely because really, it takes one day to notice a difference. You know. Um, but five days of just trying it on and people really notice a difference. And so, so you just, you start there and then hopefully the ball gets rolling in the other direction. And then you start to take on other things that you think that are not so, uh, what's the word scary, you know, to take on. And the high points of that a book, of course, we want people to get your book, but for those that haven't received it were that, um, water has a new a newly discovered structure that's found inside of plants and you can't sort of, well, I guess you can try to copy it, but the best thing to do is be to just go with nature, right? Always, always. There's no more perfect package or, uh, or meant to be. And, and, you know, we try our best as scientists and researchers, I'm not a researcher, but to mimic nature in many ways. And we often fail including with food and processed foods, like we're trying to, you know, trying to feed more people, but it doesn't, there's no better way. I, I honestly believe in so many, uh, in so many aspects of where we're failing in, in life um, is because uh, we're moving too fast. And I think we need to keep moving backwards. So, so 
eating more real food. You you said it right at the beginning. You know, I, I think um, I think that that's something that we have to go back to growing our food and including in medicine. The medicine medical system is broken. Um, and going back to good old fashioned medicine where we're able to spend time with patients, you know, mm. I think a lot of this and then technology too, you know, I think we have to take a step back in so many ways. Like I'm, I'm all for progress, you know, progression, except I think it's, uh, it's, it's, there's many things that we're moving too fast and, um, and it's not working. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I've become a big fan of soup. One of my patients lost a hundred pounds <laughs> eating soup. Can you believe it? I totally believe it. He was very obese. And I said, you know, I read this thing about soup and and that it, you know, gives you the the micronutrients. And remember, I'm talking good soup with kelp, kelp in it. And, you know, sort of that mirrors the cellular matrix and and the the bath of the fluids that that kind of so. He did. He, he started his meal with soup, and then a lot of times he was too full. Eventually, when his stomach shrank, I call it naturopathic stomach stapling. <laughs> I love it. I love you know? it. Yeah, soup. Yeah, but it's hydrate. I mean, it's, there's nothing more hydrating. So you're getting you're getting yeah. water. That's what the basis of all soup is. But then you're putting in all those nutrients, and plus he's he's making it himself. You know, he's not buying canned soup. You know, I think that that plays a role too. You're eating more real food. <laughs> You're eating more plants because you're throwing tons of stuff in there. I think soup is such mm. a good, good food for us. You know, we need to chew a little bit, but I think a meal or two here or sipping on soup and broths, like there's, it's so good for you. I love that. One of the foundations in Ayurveda, when I went to an Ayurvedic clinic once for a panchakarma detox, the doctor looked at my constitution, felt my pulse and tongue and said, you need to be drink. You need, I, I don't want to see you without a cup of, broth or tea this whole weekend it was like a three-day intensive i went to and i was like wow that's that's yeah. pretty interesting it was all about hydration soup the whole yeah but but then also you know when you detox your liver some of our toxins are fat soluble so we also need oils and and that kind of segues us into women's health because hormones and other very important endocrine systems are kind of based on fat, like the malaligned cholesterol, everyone thinking, how could something that's in every cell in our body, every cell membrane be bad? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we absolutely no. need fats. There's a whole chapter on fats in the book, by the way, and Quinch, yeah. Quinch yeah. is five years old already. It's actually, it was published in 2018. So it's already, it's, it's been out there a while. Um, but yeah, fats are super important for hormone health. I had a patient recently who had an LDL, which is that bad cholesterol of, I think, 44 um, and she had slightly elevated cholesterol and her doctor put her on 20 milligrams of a statin, just, which is not even a, that high a dose. Um, and, and he would just leave her there, you know, and, I, and it was shocking to me. Like, there's no reason she's never had a heart attack. She's never had an event. Um, and uh, she even had a calcium score that was mildly like nothing. Maybe I don't remember exactly number, but maybe it's like 30 or something. So she had some plaque in her arteries, but um, it was crazy overkill. You know, and yeah, I mean, the whole concept is is insane because, you know, if your hormones are low or your vitamin D is low or you're stressed out and your adrenals are messed up or you have other endocrine things, your body is going to make more cholesterol to because it's the building block of all these things. In other words, you can't manufacture 
hormones without the liver starting to, you know, do what they call de novo synthesis of cholesterol. So true, you get some from your diet, you can certainly cut that, that out. But, you know, you it's been it's been totally, first of all, cholesterol is not always to do with the, the cardiovascular system. That's the big mistake that I think medicine makes. They and and they hoodwink every person listening to, you know, the uh mass media. Yeah. Cholesterol is not the villain. No. It's actually a healing substance that is a foundational steroid in our body. So when is this message gonna be? I mean, that's my crusade is to, you know, kind of the, the true reason for heart disease is multifactorial, homocysteine, antioxidants, cracks in the arteries that form from oxidative stress and things like that. And then and then cholesterol is involved and somehow, you know, well, we know the pathogenesis of it. It's like a it's like the healing of a wound with macrophages coming in and things like that. But yeah, yeah cholesterol. And so I see all these women that come into the office and they're they're on these statins and their hormones are suffering terribly, which is going to impact their bones and their brain. So let's kind of segue into into what you want to talk about today. Yeah. Hormone health, women's health. That's probably about yeah. 95% of my practice <laughs> is um, is women who are in that perimenopause, menopausal um, phase. And, um, you know, I think uh, I think women for a long time have gotten the 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 short end of the stick when it comes to medicine we we know this for a fact with the with cardiovascular disease right women have it's been proven they've been treated differently they were never involved uh, even as in the studies they weren't done on women and it's always thought that oh women don't die um of heart disease as much as men do which is not true i mean you know just going back to the cholesterol thing i just want to say it's very important to say heart disease is still the number one killer of everyone eight mm. times the amount of of um of cancers so of all cancers combined so so it's mm. you know it's important to keep that in the back of your mind preventative medicine and you know and cholesterol is one only one aspect of that right so but we have to take right. heart disease seri- seriously um but we know that doctors weren't taking women seriously they presented differently with heart disease um, and then even with, you know, hormones and menopause, it's like, oh, just because we all go through it, um, women are sort of labeled as maybe a little hysterical or, or, and not even that doctors don't know what to do, you know, like that, you know, for, because of that women's health initiative study, doctors pulled all their, their women off of hormones and saying, sorry, you know, there's nothing we can do about it now, you know, um, and, and by the way, it's been completely, um, blown out of proportion, those, uh, the results of that women's health initiative study. So it was a study done on tens of thousands of nurses that was believed and the media had brought into light that, that women taking hormones had a much, you know, had increased risk of cancer and increased risk of heart disease. Um, and, and it, you know, when you looked at it really closely, it was a extraordinarily low risk of cancer. Um, and then the heart disease is women who, hadn't been on hormones for more than 10 years. And, and now it's come to light that maybe they pulled them off preemptively, that they shouldn't have pulled all these women off of hormones and that they've done more damage than good because women are suffering, right? If you're not sleeping, you're not healthy. If you're in pain, you're not healthy, joint pain, whatever it is. If you're, if you're, you know, so quality of life plays a big role here and, um, you know, hormones are back on the table and, um, 
I do think that there are better ways of prescribing hormones. I've always, right. you know, we talk about bioidentical hormones um, and then even bioidentical hormones have nuances. I think it's, it's a huge subject. And I think it's very important for women to arm themselves with information, read as much as you can. Um, I, I love, you know, there's a few doctors out there, Sarah Gottfried's books, I think are excellent, especially that first one, the hormone cure, um, about bioidentical hormones, get on her radar, get on her. She, she talks a lot. There's, there's a lot of Felice Gersh. There's all these, these doctor influencers, you know, that, um, and I'm sure there's a bunch of naturopathic doctors that, that have some good information. Kara Fitzgerald. I don't know if she does a lot of hormone stuff, but yeah, great. Kara was my student. Yeah. Brilliant. Kara, brilliant. Yeah, Kara was one of my students. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. you know, she's very technical for maybe too technical for a lot of people, but but important stuff, you know, and yeah. I think uh, with the hormone thing, I think it's important to, to, uh, you know, read and arm because unfortunately we only have so much time to, to, to give to patients to be able to, like, I can't give them a, a, a three month course in hormones, you know, so find somebody you trust and, um, and, you know, hormones are definitely back on the table, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, if they're prescribed properly and you make sure that the patient can detoxify them properly and don't build up because you know that's kind of what what I was talking about earlier in your introduction the the um preventive medicine versus early detection I was alluding to the fact that you know in in alternative medicine we have a test that tells you how the woman and man for that matter uh breaks hormones down and do they break them into these very hostile what Dr. Jeff Bland called clastogenic, um, which means breaking DNA. That, that's a really cool word. Clastogenic um, uh, hormonal fractions. I mean, I, I never know I, if I he makes those words up. Pardon? I, I never know if he makes those words up or they're real words. <laughs> no, it's a real word. Okay, but, I love it. <laughs> but I, you know, because there's a connection between. You know, Dr. Kamai and myself have written books on autoimmune disease and lupus, and that's kind of our field of specialty, um, our arthritis and, and, and rheumatology work. But certainly there's a link between these abnormal estrogen byproducts, these what they call catechol estrogens, and DNA damage. Well, you don't want DNA damage because that can lead to lupus or cancer. Yeah. So that's kind of... So to, to put women on hormones without knowing how they metabolize them is silly when the technology exists with a simple urine test. Anyway, yeah. that's my By the way, opinion. those tests and are then, go ahead. Those tests are available to regular, you know, to like even Quest and I think LabCorp does some of the, you know, oh. if you, you know the uh the breakdown of um, yeah, the two, the, the four, the 16 yeah. and the different yeah. estrogen metabolites. Yeah. And finally Why is that important like if you're you know, they always say that, you know, getting a mammogram is preventive medicine, but wouldn't wouldn't preventive medicine really be knowing how a, a woman who's like a teenager, menarche, um, how they metabolize estrogen their whole life? Of course, that can change. But wouldn't that be another big piece of the puzzle in true prevention? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One, 100%. And, and I just wanted, you know, just to be in the positive thing. I know um, I've spoken to a bunch of breast surgeons at NYU, and they're, they're, they're looking at those tests. So people who are diagnosed with cancer, they are looking at the estrogen metabolites, and they're prescribing DIM. 
you know, it's the one thing that they are. Oh, wow. which is, I know. I know. Interesting. So That's exciting. Cool. I know. <laughs> yeah. So what dim is, is uh, it's basically very concentrated cruciferous vegetables. You can't eat enough broccoli to get that kind of, you know, concentration, but it it pushes those pathways to the healthier metabolites of estrogen. Um, and some breast, breast doctors are using it, which is fantastic. Wow. Mm-hmm. So those are some of those. Now, what about um, you know, hot flashes, they're, they're something that, you know, I've, I've worked a lot with, with, you know, botanicals and yeah. things like, um, yeah, certainly there's all kinds of hormonal and other interventions. What are some uh, tips that you have to lifestyle nutrition choices to reduce the severity of those symptoms? Yeah. So there's, there is some research that people eat, um, people who eat healthier, more whole food diets, um, do better than, you know, as far as hot flashes, there's also, you know, what I've honestly seen in my practice is I've had super healthy patients here who do everything right and still have unbearable hot flashes. And I, and, you know, we kind of can't figure out why. Um, and so those are the people that may need either hormones or, or botanicals. Um, and, you know, herbs are, are, um, powerful you know, they, they can, and even homeopathics, there's, there are some homeopaths that can, they just take a little longer, but um, there are, there are lots of things that you can do for hot flashes. And honestly, if you're getting 10 to 12 hot flashes a day, yeah, that's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's uncomfortable. And um, it's, yeah, it it really can, can wreak havoc in your life. I, you know, I've been there, I know it. Um, So um, herbs are, definitely a, a, um, a possibility if somebody's not interested in hormones for whatever reason. Um, and I think, you know, herbs are a study. I, I say this, and especially like naturopaths, when you go to school, you learn herbs, you know, you have years of that. I've been in an herbal class for years now that I take once a month that, you know, for many years oh. that I still haven't even touched the surface, you know, right. um, and so I have a handful of herbs that I know really well and feel comfortable with. There's so much. I know nothing about Chinese herbs, by the way. Wow. You know. So you should come on our trip again. Yeah. Right. I would love, like seriously, I would love to. Um yeah. so, you know, uh, but but herbs, they do in, you know, even things as simple as turmeric or curcumin, like there's a lot of um Well, one one herb that's really interesting, Dr. Yeah. Cohen, I was reading and uh hops was rated you know the 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 various flavonoids in in hops because you know herbs don't have hormones they have other things like isoflavones and flavones and flavonoids and which are these polyphenolic ring types things that will bind to a hormone receptor and they do two things which is great that's why i love herbs because they're amphoteric yeah which means that they kind of they can shield the receptor from real estrogen that you make, and that could be beneficial if you have, you know, I don't know if you're if you're very estrogen dominant and have these toxic, right. we talked about these clastogenic estrogens. And then by binding to them, they definitely can cause some type of biochemical change to fake the body into thinking that there's estrogen there. And they know that because men, men who pick hops develop breasts. They actually developed gynecomastia. This was really interesting work by the USDA. 
They also found that, you know, when sheep eat lots of these isoflavone-rich, um, humistin-rich uh, plants, they stop, it acts like birth control. Like sheep stop, farmers know this because the sheep stop reproducing. They're, they're trying to build their herd. Yeah. And and they're eating red clover. They're eating like fields and fields of red clover. So yeah. we know that these, and, and there's some really good evidence of, and, and they looked at the most, the, one of the strongest of the phytoestrogens and progesterones for that matter it would is hops. So I often give people like a five to one hops where like one, one ml is like five grams of hops so it's very kind con- it's not a tincture it's actually what they call a fluid extract and that that does the trick for most women but you know but for like hot flashes said, some of them need hormones sometimes yeah specifically yeah. for hot flashes yeah i mean you know yeah. i i am i've been prescribing hormones for 25 years i've you know i feel like i have i mean granted i have a pretty uh, proactive patient population. I've pretty healthy, you know, they start out healthy. They're, they're interested in their health. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm knocking on wood, I've never had an issue. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in hormones. I think as far as brain health and bone health, there's just nothing stronger mm. or better. And I think that there's enough information out there and, and to, to say that it's, it's very safe. Now, with that being said, I would never, um, I do not feel comfortable giving somebody who has a history of breast cancer um, hormones, and and there are some people out there that say that that it could be you know actually protective of that. I don't I don't feel comfortable in that because think about it, you know, you're giving somebody estrogen, somebody has a a cancer that's estrogen receptor or progesterone receptor positive. That and 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 hormones are anabolic in nature; they make things grow. We live in a toxic world. God forbid something develops, you're you're feeding it. So that's, that's what scares yeah. me. Um, but I mean, yeah. probably these things are probably what they, you know, like we hope we know the hormetic uh, feel, which means that, you know, like low doses are like suppressive and higher doses are anabolic. So there's probably with every substance in the world in the, according to Arne Schultz, who developed this law of pharmacology, that high doses are you know, have a more negative or suppressing effect on the body than low doses. There's probably like some safe hormetic range, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it is a nightmare I, to kind of figure that out in everybody. You know? I kind of feel that that's how herbs work too, though, you know, like, yeah. like you said, Herb. and I think, you know, the way that many of us are using herbs are, are sort of not the way that they're meant to be like in really super high concentrated doses. We're throwing them at patients, you know, herbs are, are, you know, I just, I, what you said earlier, I wanted to just sort of comment on that we need to honor the history. Like I loved what you just said about the history of sheep and how, you know, how that uh, when these pickers were developing gynecomastia, like that's information that nobody takes, like none of the, the, the researchers or the medical world take to account, you know, and this, and, and our, our founding people and the, the, um, the history of people who use or indigenous populations, the medicine people, we don't take that into it. even acupuncture that's been around how long now it's crazy how many years that's been around and we're not taking that into mm-hmm. account we finally are now you know some insurances are covering it that kind of thing but um i think we need to honor those things and i um but i but i do think that with herbs there it, it is important to learn because there are interactions at at much higher doses and those kind of things yeah, so fascinating true. yeah thank you yeah yeah. So we're talking with Dr. Dana Cohen and we're talking about uh, all things women, 
um, as far as uh, ailments that they experience in menopause and other times. But we're going to take a quick break um, and play our natural medicine chest and thank our wonderful uh, station uh, PRN for uh, hosting us. And so when we come back, we'll talk about uh, sexual health, sort of like the unspoken word, uh, but very important as we age. You know, is there sex life beyond menopause and andropause for guys too? So stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with more of The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z of the natural medicine chest we'll take a look at the soybean its phytochemistry and its role as a food and medicine it is exciting to see a resurgence in research by universities and food scientists on the role that foods play in disease prevention many of these institutions such as the united soybean board the American Soybean Farmers Association and the National Cancer Institute are busy developing designer foods or superfoods, concentrating the essential nutrients and phytochemicals in soybeans and other foods that have potent medicinal effects. Commonly known foods which have soy in them include soy milk, a cheese-like substance called tofu, tempeh, a fermented soy protein, and tamari, a fermented soy sauce. The soybean is a rich source of many nutrients, including selenium, zinc, beta-carotene, vitamins A, C, and E, and 20 of the 22 amino acids. Soy also contains essential fatty acids. Research on soy foods is vast and well-known to health enthusiasts, although the general public and physicians in the United States may not be aware of this plethora of research. In Japan and China, however, this is not the case, as a voluminous number of scientific studies have been carried out in animals and humans. Chinese studies reveal that soy products can increase the ability, rate of activity, and number of white blood cells. Patients receiving chemotherapy and radiation can benefit from drinking soy milk, which in several studies demonstrated a protective effect on the liver and gastrointestinal system. It is interesting to note that the British journal Lancet revealed that vegetarians and Asians who ingest high amounts of soy have the lowest rates of cancer. This is due to one of soy's constituents called genistine. This chemical is a phytoestrogen or plant estrogen which can decrease and block the uptake of human estrogen and testosterone as well as enhance its excretion. Like the drug tamoxifen, it competes with estrogen for uptake in the reproductive tissues. By doing so, hormone-dependent cancers like ovarian, breast, and prostate cancers may be prevented. In conditions where there is a deficiency of hormones, such as osteoporosis and menopause, soy isoflavones, such as genistein, can weakly mimic estrogen and reduce the severity of these problems. So, listeners, don't count out the versatile soybean. Make it a delicious and nutritious part of your natural medicine chest. And we're back more with the program. Thank you for joining us. Dr. Dana Cohen is our guest, and we're having a great conversation about health in general, <clears throat> pardon me, but women's health in particular. And so thank you again for taking time out of your morning to join us, Dr. Cohen. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about 
this kind of stuff. <laughs> cool. Well, tell us a little bit about um, sexual health. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, does menopause mean the end of intimacy? And so, you know, in many cases, I guess it, it, it kind of does, but it's not necessary. So tell us a little bit about some of the conversations that you have with patients. You know, it's yeah. kind of a touchy subject, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know why, because it happens to all of us, men and women, you know, right. uh, men too. Um, and so I think... Um, you know, I think I think it's just important to open that conversation, especially with your partners. Your partners need to know what you're going through. They need to know. I mean, you know, vaginal dryness is is so easily treated, um, either you know, topically with hormones, topically with non hormones. There's a new like hyaluronic acid suppository. There's yeah. um, all kinds of new devices. I have one in my office where I use radio frequency, which delivers heat. That can, um, you know, it's not, and then there's laser resurfacing. There's all kinds of things now that we can do. I think it's important to just open the conversation with your doctor. Um, you know, let them know. They're not, most, many doctors won't ask if you don't, if you don't let them know, you know. So, um, and then your partners need to understand. And, and so that's, you know, the vaginal dryness and painful intercourse, that's kind of mm. an easy fix, to be honest. It's not that, that hard. Um, and sorry, my dog is, uh, and so, that's that's one thing um and then as far as just the loss of interest you know i think that um i want to just first say it's complicated right um loss of interest is uh you know when you've been in a relationship for 25 30 years with somebody it's complicated right um there's all kinds of things so but i want to you know the good news is is that hormones the loss of hormones and the reintroduction of hormones um, is often the answer. It's not always the single answer. Often it is. Um, and so I think for women, that's that's good news. That's something to, to think about. That could be the only reason why you may want to take hormones. Um, because I think, you know, intimacy is, um, it's life. And, you know, I think it's important to uh, for many people, but I also want to say too, intimacy is different for everyone, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. have to mean intercourse. And I know, you know, I know this from my 25 years of practicing medicine, that everybody has a different relationship an intimate relationship and everybody intimacy is different. I, and I say that because I think a lot of people are embarrassed to say like, we don't really have sex anymore, but we're intimate, you know? So I, I just think opening the conversation and knowing that you're not alone in this, whatever it may be, and whatever you and your partner's interest may, may be, I think it's important to discuss it with your partner because, <laughs> you, you know, it goes both ways. There may be different expectations or whatever. I hate that word, but, you know, uh, what people want and desire. And I think it's important to just be open. And, and I think even what we're doing, just having this conversation opens it up to a lot of people and feeling relief and understanding. Um, and then the other, the, the last part of that, when I say it's complicated, there is truly a, I mean, and by the way, herbs and botanicals fall into that uh, possibility of treatments, including low libido, you know, so there's, there are some interesting herbs that, mm -hmm. um, that can be very helpful for that. Um, I just want people to know too, herbs, um, and all of these things, including hormones, it's not a quick fix. It's not like mm -hmm. a one and done. It's, it's, um, you know, and herbs, especially it takes, you know, months sometimes to feel those yeah. effects. Right. It's, fine. it's interesting. I just, I just lectured for the, uh, 
the American Academy of Restorative Medicine in Burlington, and who who make very good, you know, good good conferences and good cross seating of NDs and DOs and and medical doctors, integrative doctors. But so I, my lecture was on andropause, and you're right. Um, <clears throat> there's very few botanicals that work in a month. There's a handful that might, but most yeah. of them require three months of of at yeah. least using them um to yeah. impact the hormone levels or at least impact um libido and things like that so you're right about that and yeah. so you have to, patients have to be patient patient yeah. patients yes <laughs> <laughs> patient doctors patient patients right. um yeah i think it's important to manage expectations too um yeah so um i like to use um one that I've I've used it's interesting is on on some men is is shilajit which is this Ayurvedic extract that has some pretty good studies on it now. Uh, Still more trials have to be done, of course. Like like any <laughs> every article that you read on PubMed says, and we need more clinical evidence to, you know, I mean, there yeah. comes a point when it's, you can start uh, using things safely. But yeah, so shilajit's very interesting ayurvedic that's the supreme tonic that and i think ashwagandha is very good for both men and women by the way yeah um, yeah but never it even heard time. of that never even, so that's the other one so Chinese shilajit. well shilajit is it's kind of weird it's like this they call it the the sweat of the mountains mm. and it, it actually comes from both the himalayas and the Caucasus mountains and it's this kind of like plant oozy stuff that comes out and um, it's considered a rasayana in Ayurvedic medicine, which is like one of the supreme tonics up there with like ginseng and other plants in uh, Chinese medicine. So those are some really interesting things so that you might wisdom. think about. So much wisdom. Yeah. Like yeah. I would love to sort of travel the world and learn about indigenous health come to our come on our jamaica trip one of these years we could we, we you could teach something and we could do like a little fair trade and oh my and gosh this study because it just got approved by bastier university and uh so it's exciting and you'll learn a lot of ethnobotany down there and just have a nice i call it the education vacation i would and love so, it yeah i went, so I went we'll to school in grenada i went to school in grenada and i wish you know, when oh, I was wow. in, when I was in medical school, I had no interest in, you know, in um, integrative holistic medicine. It was not, not on my radar. I didn't know, you know, I don't particularly come from a healthy family either. And um, <laughs> and uh, I wish I had known then what I know now, because I think there was some very interesting. There's some interesting stuff that goes on down there. There's actually this one particular person that sees people all over the world via Zoom um, that he's been down there forever. And I was like, oh, I would have loved to have, you know, met him. Or One of the herb doctors him. down yes, there. Yes, yeah. yes. Very fascinating. Now, yes. one thing I found, one thing I found interesting about your book is that um, cancer risk and yeah. viral things are still an issue as we get older. We thought, you know, well, you know, yeah. it's a teenage thing to get HPV. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're, you really... Um, answered a lot of interesting questions in your book. So tell us a little bit yeah. about HPV. Yeah, I really like talking about HPV because I think that honestly, I think this is where you and I and doctors like us shine 
right? If you go to an allopathic doctor and you're diagnosed with HPV, they've got nothing. They're like, it's a watch and wait situation, right? We're going to wait. We're going to repeat three to six months and see what happens. And meanwhile, we all know, they know HPV is directly related to your immune system, right? We've all been exposed to it. We all, like, if you've ever been sexually active, 99.9% of us have been exposed to HPV. And most of the time our bodies take care of it because our immune systems are really good at what they do. Right. Um, so, so we have tools now that can handle HPV much better. And, and, and once again, I, you, you gleaned upon something earlier, being proactive in our health or preventative in our health. This is, this is more proactive. So you have HPV, you're diagnosed, you're, you had an abnormal pap smear. What do you do about it? And I, I have three things that I like to, to, to give to women to do. All right. Always with anything, start with hydration, because that is always the first place to start. You can't do anything unless you're properly hydrated. So period. Um, start there. Um, and honestly, I, I want to say, like, I used to be afraid to talk about hydration to especially, specifically to other doctors and to colleagues thinking, oh, my God, they're all going to roll their eyes at me. You know, this is so simple. And um, but the truth is, we all need to hear it. We like, I'm so happy you just took a sip. Like it just, it's, it has to be in the forefront of our mind. We all need to stay on top of it. Right. So I've learned that lesson throughout the years that um, I've had practitioners reach out to me and saying, thank you, you know, um, in such a simple message. Right. So hydration is number one. Stress is number two. We know stress kills. <laughs> um, and you know, I don't have a lot to offer, except I, I have an ear to offer. I can listen. I can guide people. Um, it's gonna, But I think people need to deal with their stress in whatever way. And I can give some, you know, whether it's meditation, whether it's exercise, whether it's talk therapy, whether it's journaling. Um, I, you know, I have a, an armamentarium of things that I can give to people, but we have to deal with our stress. Um, we now know that stress kills. And honestly, as soon as a person steps into my office and sits down, I know right away, like, you know, I can almost sometimes name, the, I mean, granted, I, I work in New York, so I'm like, oh, they're a Wall Street person. I know it. I can tell it. I can see it by the, the way they're so tightly wound and they're so type A, mm -hmm. you know, um, so, or or they're they're an Ivy League student, right? Um we're killing our kids and, or not even that. And, uh, you know, in the schools here and in, in their high schools in New York, the pressure that we are putting on our children with the homework and the intensity is ridiculous. Um, it's, you know, so that's the big picture. Like those, some of those things need to be changed, but um, we, we need to figure out an in on, on dealing with stress and, and giving them and, and, and bringing it to light, bringing it to talk and, and opening up that thing. And then, the third thing is supplementation. I'm, as I'm sure you are, I'm a huge fan of supplements. And um, I'd like to give two examples of things for HPV. One is folic acid. We know that um, people with HPV have uh, start out with lower levels of folic acid and folate in their blood, right? So that's a given. They're deficient in folic acid. So why not replace them? We don't necessarily know that replacing them with folate improves their their chances of clearing HPV. Um, but the, the fact is that all of them have low folate. So it's, um, it's definitely a good, easy, inexpensive thing to do. Right. And then the second thing is if I, if I had to give you one bang for your buck, um, on your immune system, it's a supplement called HCC. HCC is a mixture of 
Right. Medicinal mushrooms. It's the most widely prescribed supplement in Japan for immune bolstering or modulating your immune system. And there's actually human studies that show um, it can clear HPV faster. So um, I give HP, uh, AHCC for my AH, HPV student uh, patients, students, <laughs> um, for my uh, HPV patients um, for six months um, at a dose of 1500 milligrams twice a day. So it's a high dose. It's not an inexpensive um, supplement, but it is, um, I, I don't think there's not one single patient that I haven't cleared. Um, wow. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's an easy, uh, those are, those are three things that you can do as opposed to a watch and wait situation. Yeah, I agree. It's really, all, all those are very good uh, recommendations for that. Um, I like mushrooms. They, they seem to be very, amphoteric they're not herbs they're actually their own family fungi yeah and after watching the fantastic fungi movie on netflix i'm even more of a fan and one of my one of my apprentices who i trained has become world-renowned dr lindsay chimlitsky in mushrooms and so you'll see her on the mushroom circuit go to any lecture that she's doing because she's really wow super knowledgeable about not only what you can get just walking around on a mushroom walk, but using like like a, an excellent supplement from the different companies that are that make good mushrooms with some of the leader, some of the mushrooms you want to look for would be like chaga. Yeah. Very good for the immune system. Chaga grows in birch. It's really interesting looking mushroom. It doesn't even look like a mushroom, which is like a fungus that swells up the birch. Um, shiitake, and that can be, you know, Used in the diet, of course, like uh, like we mentioned during the break, we have our little module show, Natural Medicine Chest. You know, we mentioned soy and, you know, there's some nice stir fries you can make with like a tempeh. By the way, I like fermented soy better than regular soy because I'm we're not talking about eating soy hot dogs and things like that. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. We're talking Just... about quality, quality soy. So for some people, it seems to work. Well, other people probably won't be so good. Can we, but can we go back to chaga? Too. Yeah, go ahead. Chaga, so yeah. Yeah. Um, can you forage them and 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 cook them, or I I don't I don't you know. No, that's, chaga has to be. You have to like hack the wood of the chaga, and then it has to be tinctured or or, or cooked. Okay. The mushrooms are always better when they're cooked. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You have to cook them to get the benefits. It seems to get that you know beta glucan out and some of the other glucans. Yeah, part of that whole, um, and then you know chaga has, and uh, also reishi too. You know, it needs to be kind of cooked, um, yeah, for immune stimulation. And and you know, you talked about stress. Reishi is very interesting in that it helps the immune system, and it also is one of the most balancing of the spirits or the shen. You know, the, the, in China they believe that you know when we're upset. Our spirit, not the spirit that, you know, is involved with moving on to the next plane, but your your emotions, your spirit, your dreams, your thinking, whether you have monkey mind all the time, like constantly, you know, your mind is like a drunken monkey, you know, <laughs> with some people. <laughs> I've never so, seen a drunken monkey, but okay. <laughs> Ganoderma is uh, the reishi mushroom is one of the ones that I recommend. And then I was one of the of the uh, people that 
trained a lot of the local naturopaths at the Bridgeport Naturopathic School, which I started. Unfortunately, it closed, but um, that's another story after 25 years. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the nutrition school in it is still... Nutrition oh, school is okay. going, the acupuncture school, they're still chiropractic, but they closed the College of Naturopathic Medicine. So, but nonetheless, uh, I trained a lot of people in doing, in, in working with HPV based on Dr. Tori Hudson's protocol, where she actually uses botanicals internally and then actually on the cervix themselves. Oh, interesting. Um, to kill... HPV and one of the herbs that kills the HPV is thuya, which comes from the cedar tree, and that's that's actually placed right on the cervix, yeah. uh, along with other interventions. Uh, she's got a whole protocol that's done, and and some pretty good studies that you know, or we we've reversed early, uh, you know, in situ, which Cervical. means hasn't spread cancer. So you know, again, it has to be done by professional and. Uh, probably they're not doing this in many clinics on the East Coast, maybe on the West Coast now in, in Bastyr or National College and some of the other naturopathic programs. But yeah, yeah. she's a good so, person to follow if if people want, you know, um, yeah. women's health, uh, more information. Yeah, she's brilliant. Now, I have a woman um, that has pelvic pain like uh some type of uh volvo vaginosis or vaginitis or and it's also from also prolapse so i know that there's something you wanted to talk a little bit about with uh prolapse and things like that is there anything that people can do besides getting like you know well up? so not you know prolapse is um it is a very it's a physical um issue right so i you know, i don't have a like it most of the time it's going to require some kind of surgery or a pessary or something yeah. that's going to help you know um but i think more incontinence is is what i was what wow. I, like, I would love to talk about because i think that's also sure. something that we're so quiet and 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 uh embarrassed about you know urinary incontinence um and especially urgent incontinence, sneezing or coughing or running and you're leaking urine um, mm -hmm. And I, I can tell you more women suffer from this than we, than we're, than we know about, you know, cause nobody talks about it. So mm -hmm. um, I think um, talking about it, talking to your partners about it, talking to your friends about it, because believe you me, and, and I want to just say something, you don't even necessarily have to have had a kid, you know, people are just like, oh, you know, how could that be happening to me? Because I, I didn't have children. Um, oh. That's not true. Um, so, uh, mm. so urinary incontinence um you know the things that i know about are more medical there are some medications i don't really prescribe those medications i do that that vaginal radio frequency that i that i alluded to a little bit earlier it's called um votiva is the one i use so it's it's using vaginal radio frequency which uses heat so we there is a, you know it's a procedure you go in there's no there's no numbing it doesn't it's it it's nothing of a procedure um and it it um, dispenses heat, which basically increases collagen. So it strengthens all of those muscles around your uterus. It's incredibly effective for urinary oh. incontinence. Yeah. Um, and it's simple. It's not, I mean, it's not, it's not inexpensive, but, and unfortunately we're not there yet as far as insurance, hopefully someday soon it will be, you know, covered by insurance. Um, mm. but, but it's, um, it's a great, 
great thing to do um, for incontinence specifically. So collagen, you know, is a very important uh, thing to tonify because collagen is the structural protein of our whole body and our bones have collagen or joints are, you know, cartilage have collagen, the heart valves have collagen, the face has collagen. Yeah, we're all, we're, we're all concerned about collagen in our skin, but what about the collagen all throughout the body? So <clears throat> my favorite treatment is of course, to give, give amino acids and, and the, the kind of the essential nutrients to build collagen and then let the body's intelligence do what it needs to do. Yeah. What are some, what are some things that you um, recommend for helping enhance overall collagen in people? The number one thing, hydration. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, You know, you know, so eating, eating your collagen by, by, like you said, a whole food diet, um, but, but bone broth is, you know, you're, you're getting right. a ton of collagen in that. Um, I want to say my biggest, uh, how do I say this? My biggest source of, of people who have really responded to the book are estheticians. They know better than anybody that you can't, um, put on a topical lotion without hydrating from within. So I have so many estheticians that are giving my book out to, before they even start with me, like you need to learn how to hydrate better. Um, I also use radio frequency, to, you know, facially. So it's using heat, microneedling, anything that's, you know, that trauma is going to create more collagen in your skin. Um, but I want to say something. I think I think a big mistake that a lot of people, regular, pe- you know, just lay people make when they um, they buy collagen protein powders, um, yeah. and it's it's not a complete protein, you know. So I think people oh. don't don't think don't realize that they think they're getting protein just from their collagen, but they're not getting a complete protein. So if you're looking for a complete protein, for whatever reason, collagen ain't it. Collagen is great to put in as a, as a creamer for your coffee because you're getting more collagen. You know, I, I mean, maybe it works. I have patients that swear it works. They notice like within a short period of time that their nails are feeling stronger, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, but I also think that it's, it is very healing to your gut. Um, you know, I think that there's some interesting um, information that collagen can help uh, plug a leaky gut or heal a leaky gut, you know? Um, so, so I think there's reasons to take it. There's not a lot of information about it, but I just also want people to realize that it's not a complete protein. And so if you're- That's a good point. Very if, good point. Right. Yeah. I think if you're trying to do like a breakfast shake and all you're adding is your your vital collagen to that and nothing, and your vegetables- you're not really getting a complete protein. So you might want to add another scoop of, of separate protein to that. Right. Yeah. Cause you need all the, at least the 10 essential amino acids, and then hopefully your body can make more. Although, you know, I just had an interesting case of fibroids that I shrank um, <clears throat> using, you know, of course the old idea to process the, uh, you know, estrogen out with the liver and getting the bowels moving and some of the old, naturopathic things, but I was doing some reading about how people with fibroids can't, don't make enough bile because, and that's what transports, you know, um, uh, it's called taurine, which is the amino acid and women are generally low in taurine. And that's the thing that transports the estrogen more than anything else in the, in the liver and gallbladder. Taurine is, 
is essential for proper bioflow. And so I made this connection with, wow, fibroids, taurine, you know, we think of taurine in in functional medicine as, you know, an antiarrhythmic and something for epilepsy, which I've also treated some people with with seizure disorders with taurine, and it's been very effective. But uh, I I learned a lot of that from Dr. Corsello, who was Dr. Um, Atkins contemporary. I worked at Dr. Corsello's clinic oh, in Huntington for a while. I knew Serafina very well. She's yeah, yeah. She so was, she was she was a big influence on myself and Dr. Kamai, who worked in her office for many yeah. decades too. I love uh, you. Yeah. You want to talk about pioneers? You know, people are throwing around that term today like it's like everybody's a pioneer. Those those two, Corsello, oh, Atkins, yeah, yeah. Are true pioneers. Those people. Yeah. You know, I wish I had I wish so I had. Yeah, an ounce of their fearlessness, the both of them, completely right. fearless, like, you know, of uh, incredible, incredible people. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that so amino acids are very important. You can't build bones or collagen or anything without. So then it goes back to the gut and chewing and because then, you know, you know, you can't break down protein without enough hydrochloric acid. And again, our pioneers taught us about the different testing, Heidelberg testing to look for hydrochloric acid production in the stomach. And but but basic, basic chewing, quenching, drinking water. So we're we're running out of time. So why don't you let us know how to contact you and just leave us with a good thought. Okay. Um, So I think the best way is just my website, www.drdanacohen.com. Um, and a good thought is, um, start your day with hydration, learn how to hydrate, make it, make it a priority, uh, day in and day out. It's, uh, it, 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 it's life-changing for so many people. So, and it's not necessarily about drinking more water. It could be smoothies, eating your water, more vegetables, you know, going back to the basics, you know, is, is, is everything. Dr. Dana Cohen is a nationally renowned internal and integrative medical specialist, multidisciplinary approach transforms the life of all our patients. And so we're really happy to have her on and uh, have a wonderful uh, move into New Year's. You too. Thank you. It was nice to talk to you, really. You too. Thank you so much. Welcome. And that does it for another edition of The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. We want you to stay healthy, folks. Bye-bye till we meet again.